welcome. Welcome to a live, a live podcast. It's our first live podcast. A live podcast from Locust Lane Brewing. It's a lovely brewery here. Indeed, indeed. We're enjoying some fine beers amongst friends. Some good beers on the on the on menu. Good group of people here tonight. Make a little noise. Make a little noise. Got the mics on. Make some noise. Thank you. Thank you. What are you drinking over there, Chris? This is the uh, Oktoberfest, recently released, recently canned oh. by Lucas Lane in the cooler right next to us here. Perfect for your uh, football watching sessions. Nice. Ideal. I've got the uh, uh, Amorphous down the shore. Excellent beer. We have a good amount of things to talk about tonight. Uh, we are so glad so many people came out. Thank you so much for showing up. Um, we are glad to be here drinking beers, hanging out with everybody at Locust Lane. Thank, thanks to them for having us. And uh, we have a lot to get into. Uh, first things first, that song that we just listened to is by a fellow named Flamingosis. That's a buddy of Mike's from college um, who puts together some great music. Um, you can check him out. But uh, we just wanted to give him a little bit of credit for what he does. Thank you, Mike. Um, so we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the preseason uh, and mostly about this game upcoming on Sunday against the Washington Redskins um, to open the Eagles 2019 regular season. Excited. Excited, Mike. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I can't wait. Trying not to, like, peak too early, as the Ab- players are all saying. Absolutely. Trying to enjoy it through the week. Well, we just made it through Sunday. the preseason. So, we did. We you know, did. Eureka. We got we to get ready for, uh, for 16, uh, 16 wins ahead of us. Can't wait. 16 now. All right, go ahead, Mike. Get us started. All right, so lately in the NFL, it's become kind of a commonplace for NFL teams not to start their key players in the preseason. And I think I'm going to throw this one to you, Chris. How do you feel about the decision not to play your key players, and in particular, Doug's choice this year not to play the Eagles' key players? Um, it's probably a sign of things to come. There's a collective bargaining agreement that's coming up in 2021 that looks to extend the regular season and shorten the preseason. At this point, the preseason is something that we're all excited for when it gets here, and then once it's here and we're watching it, we're really bored, Um, mostly because the backups uh, being in has been a regular thing. Uh, The Rams did it to kind of start things off, and then other teams have kind of followed suit. And there's a lot of injuries, so there's a reason why teams are holding their first stringers out so that they can preserve them for the regular season. There's no reason that you should lose a player like a Carson Wentz uh, to an injury in the preseason and then have to forego having his skill set in the regular season. So that's that's my opinion. Yeah, I, would, I, think it's I would agree with you. Even when they shorten it, even when they shorten the preseason, I think it'll still be something where they're not playing first stringers for the most part. So. Yeah, to me, the risk of injury is just too great to put your players out there for them to get injured and then not to play when it actually matters. Um, but then, you know, on the flip side of that, you got you to gotta imagine if you're putting it in players' heads that they're trying to avoid injury, if that's their focus, then ultimately I feel like, you know, your focus becomes your reality. So there's, there's good and bad. I think, you know, players need to get out there. They need to play. They're, if they're going to get injured, they're going to get injured. Well, and what's going to be interesting, and this is probably a different podcast for another time, is to say you know, when they extend the season and they only have two preseason games and they're having an extra two regular season games, are they still going to wind up sitting some of their first stringers as a way to kind of preserve them? 
still treating those like preseason games and that being like a strategic coaching thing to say like are we going to allow these people to potentially these players to potentially get hurt um yeah. and it's just not worth it i mean i think for a lot of the weapons that we have we're going into the season optimistic about 2019 because people are healthy i agree um but- let's talk about a couple of these draft picks that we've seen in the preseason we're not going to spend too much time on this tonight we really want to focus on the eagles upcoming first game against washington um, but the three primary draft picks that we got in this year's draft class, Andre Dillard, the first-round offensive tackle out of uh, Washington State, J.J. Argasega, Whiteside, Arthega. Whiteside. Arthega, Whiteside. Uh, and uh, him being from Stanford, a wide receiver, and then Miles Sanders, a running back from Penn State. What are your impressions of the three of those guys going through? You can kind of break them down one by one. Yeah, well, I love I loved that we had uh, the opportunity to draft Andre Dillard with our first-round pick. He seemed to kind of drop in the draft because uh, teams were real heavy on defensive players and there were a lot of talented defensive players in the draft. So when, when it got to the Eagles pick in the, in the 20s and he was still around, I was really happy to see him come in. And, you know, I think he gets to work behind a, uh, you know, one of the best of all times in Jason Peters. So that's, that's really great. The other two players, I'm super excited to see these guys this season. Miles Sanders is, you know, I, I don't want to say it, but... Does he kind of remind you of Shady? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think uh, the Eagles have been looking for somebody like this. The fans have definitely been pounding the table looking for a primary running back, somebody that they can use because there's so many other weapons. There's so many other examples in the league of people, like even in Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott or with the Saints and Alvin Kamara, of a good quarterback paired with a good running back and the load that that takes off the quarterback. And for somebody like Carson Wentz, who's, uh, I'm not going to say injury prone, but has an injury history, I think it's important to have somebody you can hand the ball off to who can make plays. And in that way, he is like Shady. Um, but He's shifty. He can just, you know, change direction. I don't think there's a player I'm more excited about seeing make plays, especially in this first game, than Miles Sanders. But uh, what are your thoughts on JJ? Well, I mean, he's got all the makeup to be a really outstanding wide receiver in this league. You know, he's tall, he's fast. He kind of, he's got that build, that Alshon build, and he gets to watch him and learn from an all-pro like him. I'm pretty sure he, he and Alshon went to the same, not maybe the same high school, but um, they were like from the same area in South Carolina, and they're like built the exact same way. They have the same skill set. It's crazy. Oh, the Gamecocks? Gamecocks. All yeah. right. No, he went to, or Sega Whiteside went to uh, Stanford, but they just have the exact same playing style. Um, so that's kind of how I see them use. If they put both those dudes on the field at the same time, like Twin Tower situation. I'll be all right. Yep. Um, all right. What are you seeing as far as, uh, let's say things break down for some reason. Let's say it's not a catastrophic situation, but let's say for whatever reason, uh, Carson has to go out for a play, and you have, both, you have both Nate Sudfeld and Josh McCown available. Both are healthy. Both are ready to play. It's only going to be one drive, but let's say it's in a, scoring potential, a potential scoring situation. Who are you putting in, Mike? What do you, who do you think is, is more qualified at this point to make a play when the Eagles need it, knowing that Carson will be right back, but having to maybe just go out for a play here and there? Well, I mean, that's a tough call. You know, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. One is the health of the players. Are we assuming that these guys are, are both healthy? Yeah, if they're both healthy. The question is, if they're both healthy, who would you prefer to be the number two? I mean, you know, you're going against somebody who's a little more proven in McCown versus somebody who's, you know, trying to make their way into being one of those, you know, NFL all-time uh, backup quarterbacks in Nate Sudfeld. 
it's a toss-up. I, you know, make a decision, I, I, Mike. I hate make to a say decision. it. I hate to say it, but I'm gonna have to go with you know whatever Doug thinks is best here, because you know he's the one. That's he, a cop-out answer. He's the one know. watching him. I I really think. Doug would probably Doug being a former backup quarterback would lean on somebody who has more backup quarterback experience, and I think that's McCown. I think Subfeld has more upside. He's probably a better player. He's a more exciting player, but I think McCown is somebody. He's played for like a third of the league. He's played for ten of thirty some teams. But I think being old has some. So someone just said he's too old. I agree, but I think that has some. And he also looks exactly like um, what's his name from Rocky, Ivan Draga. This is true. The, the Russian guy. Um, but he, I think that's where Doug's going to lean. If you're saying you're going you're gonna to side with Doug, I think Doug's going to go with the person who has more experience. Do you, think, do you think part of it is that we're caught up in really focusing on the fact that Nick Foles has been our quarterback for the last two years and we've had that safety net of him being there as opposed to either Sudfeld or McCown? Absolutely. I mean, we got so spoiled in having Nick Foles as our backup quarterback. And, you know, this really... This really goes into a deeper part of this question is do you look at McCown and Sudfeld as if Carson goes down with an injury you can you can um, count on one of them to uh, assume the reins and carry the team forward I, I if you're turning it back to me yeah uh, I honestly like I said I think Sudfeld has more upside but I think you're right it's going to come down to Doug and Doug's going to lean on the person that he thinks has more experience uh, and that's definitely McCown down so I think he would wind up being the guy yeah. I really do think though Sudfeld has potential to be a starter if not a strong backup for another team if not the Eagles in the future um, but he's turned out to be a nice little pickup yep but um, you know what let me uh, roll it forward to yeah. another question here um, to kind of wrap up the preseason but you know I think Howie Roseman has done a really incredible job the past couple years in managing the Eagles players signing them to contracts and whatnot um, there really hasn't been any player contract disputes uh, looming over the team uh, the past two seasons, and he's got a long history of making his players happy. It seems like Howie is able to sit down with players, give some kind of verbal agreement that, look, we're trying to sign you long-term. Um, come play for us, and we'll, you know, we'll compensate you later. And a perfect example of this is uh, Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins voiced his opinion. He wanted a new contract coming into this season, he wasn't offered it by the team, but he didn't miss any of training camp. And I'm just, you know, I'm going to throw this to you, Chris. Is there something to be said about having a GM like Howie who's able to assure his players and, and, and kind of um, keep his players' minds at ease, especially in, you know, the turmoil of having teams like the Dallas Cowboys and the Ezekiel Elliott situation where players aren't reporting to camp, wanting new contracts, they're not getting it. Is there something, you know, is there something to be said about having Howie on our side here? Yeah, well, definitely when compared with the Cowboys, he just seems to have his priorities in order. I mean, he signed, he signed Carson Wentz. He had this kind of trickle down of extending Brandon Graham and all these other things, that, all these other moves that he was making. There was never a doubt that Malcolm Jenkins was going to show up and be a, a part of the team, that it wasn't going to turn into anything, even though the, the press tried to turn it into something. Yeah. I, I really think Howie's in a position, this is part of, this is part of kind of a bigger thing with, um, kind of Howie as like a this is like our, our 2.0 version of Howie Roseman uh, where he's instead of being a guy who makes a lot of draft mistakes amongst others that he's somebody who you can rely on when there is a dispute or where there's a potential dispute where a player is upset about his contract that you have the, the reassurance with Howie that it's going to get worked out yeah and uh, you know what 
on that note, let's uh, you know let's let's carry it over into the uh, the season opener versus the Washington Redskins. Yes, sir. You know, one one question that I want to pose to you, Chris, is: Are divisional games harder than the rest of the games you play against the NFL? Now, hear me out on this. Okay. You know, divisional teams you face twice each year, um, so your opponent knows your style very well. But does that make a difference in the end? I think it, 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 this is a cop-out answer, but I think it's really dependent on the teams. I mean, it depends on where they're at and, and how competitive they're really going to be. To be totally honest, before we even get into the Washington thing this week, Washington is not a team who's expected to do a whole lot, but in a division situation, you never know what's going to happen. So there is that familiarity. You're definitely right on that front. The Eagles have had a couple players that they waived or cut who are signed by the Redskins who might be able to offer them some intel on how their offense works or how their defense works. So. Any of those kind of things are going to be helpful, um, but to me, it's, it's hard to say year to year. I think the Eagles will always have a rivalry with the Cowboys. They'll always have a rivalry with the rest of the division. I think the Cowboys will always be the strongest, but uh, I think the way the division shakes out, the NFC East has not had a two-year running winner in, I think it goes back to like 04, the yeah. 04, 05 Eagles, and then the next year they won the... Uh, the conference. So I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to imagine that anybody would you know run away with it or just assume how things are going to work out. It's totally unlike the AFC East, where right. every year you just know the Patriots are going to be the one. And just as a refresher, Cowboys are the uh, the reigning and NFC East champions. That hurts. Don't say that. Well, I'm just, you know I'm just saying that you know it's the truth. The truth does hurt. You know, um, but little, I think little, you know they own them. They own them last year, and that's that's something that I hope that the Eagles are willing to step up and. Uh, when they have those games against the Cowboys this year really make a statement. I think the Eagles are, I agree. are in a position I think there were some really frustrating games against the Cowboys last year. Particularly that one in overtime with Russell Douglas, which is just unfortunate. But uh, I think that's, that's probably a big goal of Doug Peterson's this year is to try to beat them twice um, and really yep. just reset the tone as far as the NFC East is concerned. Yep. Now let me throw this one to you, Chris. Um, here's, here's some players that I'm going to give a rundown of and uh, you know, their, their health's in question. Um, let me know what you think the status of these players are. Yep. Ronald Darby, Nigel Bradham, Fletcher Cox, Barnett, Deshaun Jackson, Brandon Brooks, Dallas Goddard, and Lane Johnson. It's a lot of people. A lot of people on both sides of the ball. According to Doug, per his Monday press conference, all of those players will be playing on Sunday at 1 o'clock against the Redskins. That all, would... all of them. So that's a total of eight players, all of whom I would consider essential all by Doug's word on Monday in the press conference, going to play on Sunday. See, and you got to hope that's the case, right? Of these eight players, Mike, let me ask you as a side question. Of these eight players, let's take a look at this. Who would you say are the – pick two. You can pick two on either side of the ball. Who are the most essential two players? Two on each side of the ball or two one and one? One on each side of the ball. I apologize. One on each side of the ball. Well, the most essential player on our team, I think, is Fletcher Cox. So I'm going to go with him number one mm -hmm. on their defense. Yeah, that makes sense. For offensive sake, I think Deshaun Jackson being back on the field makes all the difference. All right. I will go with different ones just for the sake of making it interesting. I think Darby is an essential player just because we don't have a corner who's that fast. Um, so I think he's, he's got to be out there. And hopefully he's totally healthy. We'll yeah, talk we about the corners We really miss his presence. On the end of last Since year. he's been here, he's been he had a great reputation. He's a fast player, he's a good player, but he hasn't played a whole lot. He's been injured. 
So it's it'll true. be interesting to see what kind of impact, if any, he can make on Sunday. On the other side of the ball, I'm definitely going to go with Lane Johnson. You can't do much as far as running the ball without him there. And yeah. the offensive line really depends on those anchors. On one side, Jason Peters. On the other side, Lane Johnson. If that's not there, this team, I think, especially the offense, operates totally different. Now, does, does his ESPN uh, uh, recent photo shoot contribute any bit to, this is the, uh, to, to the that? The one where they pose naked? Yeah. I, it Does could. that have any? Was they that couldn't any... get Jason Peters to do it. They asked right. Lane Johnson why. Okay. He said it's like trying to tell a bear what to do. So that wasn't a factor sense. in your decision just now. Not really. More so just his playing style. But apparently he That's was fair. the one who kind of initiated this whole thing with the ESPN magazine, where he he pushed for that to be a. a and you know what? I like that about his personality. Lane is a character for sure. All right, Mike, hit us. All right. So, I like to call this a new chapter. So Carson has been deemed healthy. And we are led to believe he's back to the form he was in 2017. Nick Foles has been traded away. The past two seasons, which have felt like one long season, are now over. No more Super Bowl hangover. There was a rejuvenated energy to the birds, a desire to prove themselves again. We want the MVP quality QB Carson back in the 2017 form to lead this team to victory while displaying a better understanding of smart risk-taking to avoid his personal injury. That's really, that's, that's well said. I think, I think Carson is going to be such an important part of what we do this year. Um, and I, the thing that I really want to see most from Carson this year, of, of everything that he's capable of, uh, everything that makes up his skill set, everything that makes him who he is, I, I really want to see the Eagles score early. That's something that I've thought about a lot since last year. Mike and I were lucky enough to attend two games last year, uh, one against the Colts at the beginning and then one over in London. And both games, the Eagles started slow, and that was just a running theme for them all last year. So I think if Carson in particular can find a way to get into a rhythm early and kind of set the tone, they're going to win a lot of games. So with that, Absolutely. Let's, let's get into the offense. Yeah, Mike, I got a question for you. All right, I want you to take yourself to Sunday. I'm You're there. Sitting on the couch. Over at your house. We're we're over at my house. Right. We're Are, enjoying we're enjoying some nice smoked meats. Oh, and I some like beers. the beers. Okay. Okay. We're watching the game. This it comes be some, on. The yeah. kickoff happens. It's a touchback. They're taking it out to the 25. The Eagles' offense comes out on the field. Let's assume that they're starting the game. If it were up to you, would you prefer to see right off the bat? A 70-yard bomb to Deshaun Jackson for a touchdown, or a sustained, solid 70-yard drive complete with a Miles Sanders touchdown. See, there's, there's really good aspects to both those choices. It's kind of like a short-term gratification, long-term gratification question. Mr. Mitchell, who's in attendance, is calling for the bomb. I think, I think most of us as Eagles fans who, who are excited about having Deshaun back, we want to see him do that right off the bat. Okay. That's the instant gratification piece. Especially against the Redskins' his former team. That's a great point. This is true. This is true. And it almost seems reminiscent of, uh, you know, Doug being a, a student of Andy Reid. And I think when, when Andy acquired Terrell Owens in 2004, was it the first preseason game or the first game of the season that Donovan threw a, like a 70-yard bomb down the field? Uh, it was actually, if I remember, it was a preseason game 
against the Ravens, and T.O. just like literally lined up on the line, caught the ball, and ran it 80 yards. It wasn't a bomb. He just kind of caught the ball and ran past everybody. Um, something but, something so like that. Is your answer the 80-yard bomb to Deshaun? My answer is the 80-yard bomb, but you know what? On that second drive... It's a toss-up. I mean, honestly, I'd, really, I'd love to see that, but if we see a sustained, a sustained drive with Whoa. a touchdown from Miles Sanders long-term, that means we're in great shape. Absolutely. Now, let me throw this one to you. Yeah, let me hear it. Um, if the Eagles win the coin toss in, in game one, do you kick or do you receive? Doug always defers. That's kind of a staple of his... Um, I would say that's one of the main... Not main, but that's one of the highlights of him being an analytical guy and using analytics as a way to understand how to treat the coin toss. So if you look, I think he's deferred almost every game since he's been... Yeah, the Eagles he, coach. He really has. He defers when the Eagles win. He defers almost 100% of the time. So the reason for him doing that, and he's been asked in multiple press conferences and he's stayed the same, is that typically the team that defers gets more possessions, and he would rather have more possessions. And as a former quarterback, as an offensive player, makes sense. I get well, it. And, and to, you know, to, to add to that, we're, you know, this is our season opener at home at the link. If you win that, if, if you win that coin that toss, because when the offense takes the field, there's a level of you know the crowd quiets down to let them operate. When the defense comes on the field, the crowd can be as rowdy as they want to be. Well, so right out of the gate, that crowd's going to be amped. I say, let the defense take the field, let them get the ball back to the offense, then throw the bomb to Deshaun. And the Redskins not being as good of a team this year, to be honest, they if they were to win the toss, they may differ. So we might get that no matter what. That's true. Uh, which would be kind of the ideal situation. Um, but uh, let's move it on to yeah. some of the offensive components and how we see those things affecting the game this Sunday against the Redskins. So, you know, I think we're all excited to see what Carson uh, is going to bring to this year's performance. Let me throw, let me throw a couple questions at, at you, Chris. How many touchdowns does Carson throw in this first game? I think, I think it's going to be... I think you're actually going to wind up seeing something of a balanced game this weekend. I think you're going to see two touchdown passers from Carson Wentz, and I probably... I foresee at least one rushing touchdown, if not two. I, I, I do think they're going to be in a position where they're going to be able to spread the ball around. I think it's like with uh, college football teams where they start the season playing a team that's not expected to be all that good. I think it gives them an opportunity to try a lot of this stuff, and I hope that they experiment with the run game in a way that allows them to use it and kind of weaponize it. But I see kind of a two-passing touchdown, two-rushing touchdown type of game. Okay. Well, yeah, the flip side of that question I was going to ask was, uh, does, Carson, does Carson rush for any yards in this game? I think he has at least one moment in the game where things break down and he runs and for a first down. I can just see it happening because I think there's such a narrative right now that, well, he's got all these weapons, he's been hurt, he's not going to run. I think for whatever reason, maybe it's just that it's the beginning of the year and teams are rusty and getting back together. I think he's going to, something's going to break down and he's going to have to scramble. I think, uh, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see actually what does play out because Doug has been, you know, quoted as saying Carson's got a lot of weapons around him. He wants to see him, you know, kind of, you know, just manage those weapons, spread the ball around, not try to do too much if he doesn't have to. Um, so what I think that's that's huge. I mean, that's he said that, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before in a press conference, but that right there, what you just said, is exactly what, uh, when he was asked what Doug's advice was to Carson. Don't press, don't try to make things happen, allow the offense to work for you. There was like a, a stronger narrative of kind of letting things happen rather than making things happen. And I think with the weapons he has, 
I think that's viable this year. I think he's got so much at his disposal, and he he probably will, by virtue of a play breaking down, have to rush at some point, and we'll, we'll see that that skill is still there. And Absolutely. I think as fans, that's what we want. We Absolutely. want to see that that skill is still there. Absolutely. But I think we'll also come away with the game going, with the game hopefully having one, kind of saying, look, he doesn't really have to rush. He's got so many options that he doesn't really have to put himself at risk. So um, I wanted to move on from Carson to talk about more of a, a receiving weapon and ask, in particular, mm. with Alshon Jeffrey, last year was a crushing end to the season. The ball flying really through Alshon Jeffrey's hands into uh, the hands of a, a Saint defensive back and really just ending our season, which we thought was over far before it actually was. Now, let's not put it all on Alshon, because nope. Nick did throw, overthrow that ball to throw that interception in the first, in my first opinion, half. In my opinion, and having watched it back, Alshon, based on the down and distance and the length of the throw, Alshon was expecting a change up and got a fastball. That's, that's kind of how I see it. I think but, so. But having said that, you got to catch the ball. That's your job. you got to catch the ball. I think he was as surprised as we were. I think he is going to have a game on Sunday. I think Alshon has been somebody who's been under-talked about in the offseason, and I think he's somebody who, moving forward, we may see Alshon really emerge as the guy that uh, we forgot about but has that skill set that's so clutch and is going up over people and, and mossing them, just totally dominating. So his history against the Redskins is particularly strong against Josh Norman. I wonder uh, how he seems to have a lot is of success. Is Josh Norman a, a smaller uh, DB? He's smaller than Alshon. That's not saying much, I guess, because Alshon's a big dude. But he typically He's got a big Doug's, build. He does have a big build. And Doug said this on one of the press conferences that the last several times since they've had Alshon and have been playing the Redskins, that Norman just travels with him. So that's going to be a one-on-one match, and we'll talk a little more about one-on-one matchups matchups later on in the show. But yeah, you I really. I really think that that's something to watch. I think he's going to – Alshon is going to want to set the tone. I think he's going to want the ball. And I think there's going to be a chance against this Redskins team where he can go up and just win over somebody. And I think he needs that. I, I agree. I think Alshon's hungry. I think he's got something to prove. I think, you know, there was a bitter taste left in his mouth from last season. I like that call that he's going to come out and have a big game on Sunday against the Redskins. Uh, but let me turn it over. Let me turn it over to another Eagles receiver. Somebody returned to the team. You know, I, I, I still remember the day that he was traded away, and our our hearts literally sank. Uh, we couldn't such a, believe such a crazy yeah. Such couldn't a crazy couldn't believe what was what was going on. But now you know that's all behind us. Now he's back. Deshaun Jackson is back. He's an Eagle again. Um, you know what kind of impact. Does Deshaun being on the field have to the, the Eagles game plan and, and the overall game? Well, if it's up to you and I and Mr. Mitchell, it's going to be a seven-year bomb on the first play. So that's the kind of impact he can have. I think he's well, somebody true. who, because he's, because he's a former Redskin and because he's come back to Philadelphia, there's just so much juice going on, especially for this particular game where you're going to see Al, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Deshaun Jackson probably have um, at least one or two impactful plays. And I'm going to venture to say, I'm going to step out here a little bit. I think Deshaun is going to make a play that is not a deep bomb that we're all yeah. like, whoa. So um, I, I was listening. I forget who was uh, commenting on this, but some interesting insight into Deshaun. You know, a lot of people think he's just good at stretching the field, and he's quick. He's deceivingly fast. He can, he can blow by defenders. Um, but... I hear the way he runs underneath routes and the way he just gets separation and gets open is just very impressive. It might have been Carson Wentz who was actually commenting on this, that he just has this ability 
to separate himself from a defender and especially on those underneath routes where you come back a little bit. Um, so, you know, one of the big things I think he does for this offense is just give more space to the other players, let things develop more freely. Um, but, you know, at the same time, he, he's going to get his receptions. Whether he's a decoy or he's the actual target, he's still posing a threat. And I think that's, that's unique. I don't think that the Eagles have had something like that in a long time. Yeah. I also think that, you know, a lot of people forget this. Deshaun was a two-sport star at Cal. Was he really? He played football and he played baseball. He was a center fielder. Wow. And that comes across when he's catching the ball. To catch those deep passes that he's kind of notorious for, you have to be able to track it. And he does really well. You have to be able to look up in the air as you're running full speed, track the ball, and catch it. And he's done that consistently. So... I think one thing that you might see is those comeback routes that he, he used to do even in the Andy and Chip days. Um, and I think you might see him make a big play that's not necessarily a long bomb, which is reassuring to kind of say, hey, like, this is, this is a, a weapon that we can use in a multitude of ways. This is not a guy where, oh, he's only going to run it deep, that he's going to pose threats to the defense more than one way. The other thing I'm going to say, right. and I said it on our last podcast, I cannot remember. I cannot remember a time where Eagles fans have gotten so gratified by a decision, a contract that was uh, signed by somebody who we wanted back so badly, who was here before and left on weird terms and came back, and for us to all be kind of so happy with that situation. So I think Deshaun's going to feel that. I think we're going to see it on Sunday. Super good to have him back. The only thing that could have maybe like totally topped the, um, been the extra icing on the cake would have been to get Shady back, but... Happy to see Shady go to uh, back to under Andy Reid in, at the Chiefs. Interesting side note, and I wonder, you know, and I'm a University of Pittsburgh grad. I uh, I love LaShawn McCoy as a player. I think he's somebody who's really special, and he definitely could have brought something to the Eagles. But it's interesting to see him go back with Andy. And you know, Andy, they were I'm in, sure search, in, a they lot were in of search of a back. Is just trying to stack all the weapons that he can. I think Mahomes is a promising quarterback and somebody who's probably going to uh, emerge as one of the elite in the times to come. But I think having as many weapons as possible is only going to help him. And LaShawn McCoy might be, what is he, 30, 31 years old, something like that. He's got to be getting he's, up there. He's still a great player. He's still one of the all-timers. He's definitely... In terms uh, of football standards. I would say he's on track to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, in football standards. In human being standards... Right, he's a young guy. Yeah, immature. He's but got his whole life In terms of being him. a football player, he's, he's somebody that the Chiefs will definitely benefit from having. Um, Mike, I just wanted to kick it back to you about another offensive topic. Did you have something more? No, no, no. I wanted to ask you about the tight end. So Ertz and Goddard may be the best tight end tandem in the league. I think hands down they have to be the best tandem in the league. Now, the Eagles had Richard Rodgers as a third-string tight end. He was injured. And the question is, will they sign somebody before Sunday just to have some insurance, even if you know they're going to be rotating in and out, Ertz and Goddard? At tight end? What do you think is going to be the impact of the tight end position, whether it be Ertz or Goddard on this game? I think you're going to see a lot of interesting looks by, uh, by Doug this season. Obviously, there's the you know, uh, 12 personnel that Doug can run. Um, but I, I think what you saw out of Ertz last season and him really come into his own uh, route running, a um, lot of receptions, I think you're going to see Goddard start to split those um, the, the participation with Ertz and I think I think those players are becoming more and more alike one another and I think that's going to be really confusing for defenses to handle having uh, two guys basically the same build be able to have similar skill sets it's just it's going to be it's going to be a headache for middle linebackers and safeties in the league 
I, I really I can't remember a time where the Eagles have had this kind of situation before. Even when they had Selleck and Ertz, it wasn't quite this threatening. So I really think Goddard uh, will probably probably show himself in game one in a big way. I could see, and this is a hot take, I could see Goddard having more touchdowns than Ertz in this I, game. I, I um, could see Goddard having more touchdowns this season. And I mean that in the sense that I could see Ertz having a game where he's catching tons of fourth down, third down passes across the field, but I could see Goddard just having more touchdown, more scoring opportunities. Um, yep. So moving into another aspect of the offense, which I think was probably... I'll put it back to you, I guess, to be to be sure. But I think was probably one of the hotly debated topics in the offseason of why don't the Eagles have a good running back core? Why was there, why were they relying so hard on people like Josh Adams and Wendell Smallwood last year? And some of it was injury, but some of it was also scouting and drafting and that kind of thing. So they're going into this season with Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, Darren Sproles, and Corey Clement. What do you think? Who do you think will have the biggest impact in game one against the Redskins? Not as a whole season question, but just for this particular game. Which running back? Pick one of these four. Tell me about who it is and why. All right, well, I'm going to go with my gut on this one. I really think Corey Clement comes back. Always go with your gut. I really think Corey Clement comes back this year and has an unbelievable year. I think the Eagles are really high on him and you know he's put a lot of work in this offseason to get back to form. He's not coming off injury like he was last year. Um, I think when given the opportunity I, you know I do think they're going to go to Jordan Howard early initially. They're going to give the ball to Sanders but I think you're going to see really consistent um, big pickups by, by Corey Clement and he's going to he, he's going to work his way back into that top of the rotation. I think you may see, and I genuinely believe this, like a Super Bowl, not a Super Bowl performance, but a Super Bowl level wheel route swing pass type thing that they always run with Corey. I would I, love to see I would, that. I would really find his impact on the game and his role to be kind of developed there. So, I mean, one of the most beautiful plays in Eagles history was his touchdown pass from Nick. Absolutely. And I even think, I mean, the touchdown pass is amazing. You say he scored there. That pass where he took that same wheel route you know, uh, that same kind of pass and stiff arm people. He's just running down yep. the field, an undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin. I mean, to me, he has a major chip on his shoulder. And he's coming out of a backfield where they've cut Wendell Smallwood, they've gotten rid of Josh Adams. Now they've really separated things. They have a drafted running back in Miles Sanders. They have. They have a Jordan Howard who's been really productive. They have people who can make an impact on the game. And Corey, I think, is trying to strike his identity amongst all these people who are playing, all these options that Carson has, that Doug has. Corey's trying to set himself apart. And the one thing I'll say about Corey, and I really like that you hit on him, he, I, I heard Mike Messinelli one time describe it this way, and I just thought it was very accurate. He hits the hole. He runs through the line like a greyhound out of the gate. Like, he just flies out of the gate. That's an awesome, awesome take. It awesome really quote. is. It's, and I can't take credit for it. Like I said, it was a Mikey Miss kind of thing. But it was, it was just so accurate. And I don't, I don't know that there are other running backs who kind of hit it exactly the same way. Well, so I can know, see him having a big impact on the game. I know you're, I know you're a real big uh, Corey, Corey Clement fan. But if you had to answer that question, would you, would you pick the same answer? I think it's going to be Miles Sanders. Honestly, I think Miles Sanders is... I think they're going to go to Jordan Howard early. I think what's going to happen is Jordan Howard's going to have a few carries. He's going to set a tone where the Eagles are gaining positive yardage, but it's not in a play break, uh, sorry, game-breaking kind of a way. It's just that old-school kind of three yards in a cloud of dust style. Um, and 
all of a sudden Miles Sanders comes in and breaks off a big run and Doug says, you know what? If we have a guy like this, I'd rather play him. And I think that's possible. I, mean, it, you know, I don't think he's really going depends. to lean on him totally, but I think he, for by all accounts, he's a playmaker. And it's the same thing what you said about the relate the um, comparison. Sorry to Shady, he's just he's got that wiggle, he's got that juice when he plays. He he treats it differently than a lot of the other guys in the back. He's backfield, got that so. that cut ba- cut back capability, which is really big in the NFL. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does, but also just remember that. Um, it's Deuce Staley who's actually calling the running back rotation for this team. I, yeah, and I think that's something to take into account and who he and has. And Deuce really likes to um, run running back by committee. So, you know, you do see games where they go with a hot hand or whatnot, but I think they are a team who prides themselves on a balanced attack, different running back styles. Um, over the course of the game. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. And I agree with the committee thing. Part of me really thinks that although that's his philosophy, uh, and I, I can agree that it will still be his philosophy, I don't think that he's quite had this kind of committee before. This, this level a, of skill. Yeah, that's um, pretty good. He, yeah, he's pretty, pretty yeah, good. So I think he's in a situation good. where he probably will stick to what he has done in the past in terms of using the, the running backs as a committee. But I do think there might be kind of a differentiation with someone like a Miles Sanders where, thank you, fella, uh, where he kind of separates himself. And I honestly, I think as fans, we're going to see it. I think there'll be something where we see it right off the bat that he's just different. He's got that spark uh, that just kind of sets him apart. Well, um, let, me, let, let me move on to a topic here. Okay. Unless, unless you have something you want to say there. I just wanted to bring up, there, there's some drama going around. Wow. There's some drama going around at the potential that Melvin Gordon could be traded from the Chargers to the Eagles. Now, where did um, you where did you hear this drama? This is from Albert Breer, who's a uh, NFL analyst and uh, kind of spokesperson, I would say. But he, uh, not spokesperson, like a beat writer. But he said that the Eagles offered Jordan Howard uh, for Melvin Gordon. I don't know if it was straight up or with a combination of picks. Uh, and I don't know what the outcome was, if they took it, obviously, or not. Obviously, if they took it, we probably would have heard about it. But what do you think about... It's a really interesting take. Now, it's a very Howie kind of a move to do something like this all of a sudden, right before well, the season. What do you think about the potential for someone like that to come in at this point? Well, first off, before we even get into how realistic it was, I think Howie is always surveilling the league for these opportunities. So whether this was... That's why I'm skeptical to make too much of a big deal about it because I think, I think Howie is always talking to other owners. If there's interest in his player and he has interest in somebody, he's having conversations. But let's just move past that. Melvin Gordon's a hell of a running back. He is a hell of a running back. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I think Howie's always going to check into it, even if it's only to see, like, what yeah. is the value here and what would it take for me to make this move? Even if I'm not going to, what is the, what's at stake? Right. Um, uh, you know, and I think case in point is the um, the clowny situation which which just happened uh, he was he he entertained the offer but he wanted the texans to pay more of his salary than they were willing to so it never really came to anything that serious i i'll be honest with you part of me really wanted to see the eagles pick up jadavian clowny but how um, he wasn't willing to um release that much percentage of his cap to and i that think that's player. i think that part is reasonable but to be honest if we were going into the season now i just want you to think about something for a second as a hypothetical if in what is it now it's today is thursday so we're looking at sunday if in a few days 
you're going in knowing Jadavian Clowney and Brandon Graham are your DNs. That's, that's a huge confidence boost. No matter who you are or what you think of Jadavian Clowney. It's a big Clowney, boost, and we're, we're going to get to the defensive side of the ball in a little bit. Yeah, and we'll, we will. We'll talk about in this. Order, but, uh, but I think that's something yeah, that's to really exciting. consider. You know, I am, I, am, I am super set on the weapons we have on offense, and in that situation, I was a little bit scared that we were going to have to give away somebody, maybe just... Uh, uh, thank you, Mr. Mitch. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. We were, you know, I did not want to have to give away somebody, just even one of my favorite players. Nelly. I knew it was going to be about Nelly. He's your boy. Apparently, he's wanted. He's wanted around the league. I'm in. I'm in the camp that says Nelly's going to have a huge year. I think he's going to have a big year. He like Alshon. I mentioned Alshon earlier being not overlooked. I don't think that's the right word, but just kind of under the radar compared to someone like Deshaun, who's taken up so much of the press. Uh, I really think he's another player that could wind up benefiting from some of these other players being on the field and wind up catching a lot of balls. I mean, Nelson Aguilar caught. I think it was nine passes for 100 yards or maybe more in the Super Bowl. He did not score a touchdown, but yep. those passes were essential. He has, like we talked about with Corey Clement, Nelson has a really specific skill set, and it's different than a lot of the other guys in the room. So and he, he is one he of the better players, out. slot receivers in the NFL. You have to give him his due. Absolutely. And no matter what's going to happen with his contract long term, he's somebody the Eagles drafted who was thought to be a bust, who's kind of like rebuilt his brand. And I know you're someone who's always been behind Nelson. I wonder if I've been we could a big take believer a, since the beginning. If we could take a pause and I could just put you immediately on the spot. Yeah. Hot take. Uh, give me Nelson Aguilar's stats for Sunday. In a, in, like in a situation where it's ideal, I guess. You, you kind of foresee the future as favorable for Nelson. What does that look like? I think for this particular game, this is going to be a very well-scripted game by Doug and Carson. So I see Nelson getting something around five catches for 80 yards. That's a good day. And, and, and a tutty. That's a really good day. I, I'm not sure that he will get a, a touchdown. I just think he may be used more to get them down the field than to score. Um, but I do see at least one play, and Nelson's done this the last few years, where down the sideline he'll catch like a 30, 40-yard pass over his shoulder, just getting down, you know, beating the, the defender and just getting down inside of the sideline. I could see that kind of play happening in the clutch situation. I also think something to, to mention here, and, and this isn't written, this isn't prescripted, but it's something that I'm just thinking about is Carson, as he's coming back from injury, is dealing with a lot of new players. And although he's developed rapport with people like uh, Deshaun, and we've heard so much about that, he's going to go back to the people that he knows. He's going to go back to Zach Ertz. He's going to go back to Nelson Aguilar. He's going to go back to the people that he's had experience throwing the ball to. I think that there's something to be said about that. He's in a position where he kind of needs to rely on what he already knows, more in terms of... Um, long-term history than short-term history, but I think we'll still see tons of plays to Deshaun and that kind of thing. I just wonder if he might kind of lean on somebody like Nelly, who he knows, he knows what to expect, he knows the way he runs routes, he knows all that kind of stuff, so there's a familiarity there. Go ahead, Mike. All right, well, going into this game, and you know, this will be one of the last things we talk about in terms of the offense, if you had to give a percentage of pass plays to runs, what would it be for this game? Hmm. I think, to be honest with you, I think 
they're going to try to get Carson going early. You're always going to see more passing than running because it's a passing league. I see it as being... I see it as being maybe like a 75-25 kind of a game. And I know that's conservative, but I do think that the running plays will be impactful. Excuse me, impactful. That they'll, they'll have uh, an effect on the game in a major way, in a scoring potentially way. But I, part of me thinks that they're still going to lean on passing the ball as a way to move the ball, get it down the field, get Carson going, get the offense going, all those kinds of things. So I think a lot of that, you know, when you look at it at the end of the day, you say, well, they wound up passing the ball a lot in order to establish that. I mean, I'm hoping it's going to be more 60-40. I just want to see a more balanced attack. Every year we get into a situation where we have we're having troubles on our team we're losing some games because we're passing too much we're asking too much of our quarterback to make plays and whatnot Um, a balanced running attack really solves so many problems for our team and i just want to see doug right out of the gate set that tone um and set that tone strong to the team that we're going to run the ball and we have a really good running back core that can do it and he trusts our offensive line I feel like you swung me. I feel like I have to reset. So I'm going to say 70-30 because yeah. I agree with you. And I think yeah. also, like I said before, they haven't had exactly this uh, contingent of running backs before. So I think having all these weapons might cause them to use the running game more. What I wonder, too, is the, the potential for, in the first half, doing more passing, setting the tone, and then in the second half, using a lot of running to maintain possession. I think that's something that... Last year, because they didn't start fast, they couldn't really establish the running game. Part of the concept of the running game is to get a lead and use the running game as a way to maintain the lead. So for them last year to have gotten started kind of behind the eight ball, they never really got the running game established. So if they're able to do that, Doug and Carson have a great safety net that they can use and hopefully kind of keep the lead, keep the possession by way of running the ball. And also, and I really mean this, not in this preseason way, but in a regular season way, that they can showcase some of the talent that they have at running back. That it's something where, hey, look, I can hand this guy the ball at the 40-yard line, in our own 40-yard line, and he can give me 20 yards. I mean, that's a good thing to know in game one as you stare down a really long season. Yeah. But why don't we, why don't we tie up the, um, the offensive conversation here and move it on to uh, the defensive side of the ball? Let's do that. Um, so... I wanted to start off with a, just kind of a question about a new rule, something that's been imposed this year, implemented, I should say, this year, uh, and something that uh, I think has caused a lot of controversy and has shown itself already in the preseason, and that is that coaches are able to challenge now offensive and, pa- uh, sorry, offensive and defensive pass interference. That's something that's reviewable. It's something coaches can challenge and appeal to the refs to look at the play again and determine whether or not there was actually pass interference of some kind. Now, this is all propagated by what happened in the Saints-Rams-NFC championship game, uh, whereby it was thought that the Saints were kind of slighted by this situation. There was a lot of outcry. I wanted to kind of spin it to you, Mike. What do you think about this? Do you think that this is something that's good for the league? Because truthfully, in the preseason, Doug used it once, and it worked. And it was something where there was clear pass interference, and the refs didn't catch it. And when he challenged it, they overturned it. So what do you think? I think it's good for the league in that there have been a lot of really frustrating plays over the years that have gotten overlooked um, that really do make a difference between winning and losing in an NFL football game. But 
at the same time, I I would really um, it would it would really it would really be bad if if the ability to do this slows the game down too much to be where it becomes frustrating for the fans. Um, do you know any of this, any of the uh, regulations on what the rules are? How many times a game you can do this? Does I, it count as a to challenge? To be honest with you, I don't know any more. To, and, and that's a that's a really good point, Mike. And I don't I, truthfully, I don't know any more specifics. All I really know is that coaches are able to watch a play happen that they don't see an interference call for, and then challenge it as a way to appeal to the refs that an interference call should happen. So it's kind of one of those things where it's up to the coach to make that choice. Now, they're still sacrificing and making a challenge because if they lose it, they're foregoing a timeout, correct? I mean, that hasn't changed. Right. So you're in a position where, like in the uh, Saints, excuse me, Saints-Rams playoff game, uh, the NFC Championship game, that that was a deciding play. I mean, that really was a deciding play. So I think it's going to be one of those things where as time moves It was moves a deciding forward, play. Yeah, and and I'm as, afraid that, that there are certain calls that technically are pass interference, which normally would get overlooked, and the normal fan would be like, ah, I guess that's just part of the game. If that becomes um, a play that can be reviewed and um, overturned upon replay, then I think it's going to become really frustrating because you're just nitpicking every single play. Some people, you know, sometimes I, will say, look, you know, there's, I, there's, there's penalties on every play, but, you know, it's not called. I, I completely hear you. I think it is still bound by, and I'm just looking up on the screens here at Logos Lane, and the, the NFL season has officially started. The, the Bears are currently playing the Packers. There's an actual NFL game going on. The NFL season is really here, Mike. Um, but to answer your question, I, I think, or to answer your statement, I, I really question. think the thing that comes back is that. Oh, my dad, my dad has a question. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, there's a mic right over here, Dad. Please. Uh, hey, guys. Big hey, fan. Hey, First Mr. time Dick. questioner. Yes, sir. In this morning's Inquirer, yes, sir. Uh, my high school buddy, Bob Ford, was writing about how healthy the Eagles are coming out of the preseason mm. into their first live game. I don't know if you guys have already talked about that tonight, but what do you think about how we healthy did mention We did mention it earlier, so I'm going to read you a list of eight uh, players. So Ronald Darby, Nigel Bradham, Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, Deshaun Jackson, Brandon Brooks, Dallas Goddard, Lane Johnson. All of those players were injured in the preseason, injured in the offseason, not thought to be able to play in game one. And Doug, on Monday's press conference, said to the reporters, all of those players are eligible to play in game one. This so is true. And to answer Mr. Donahue's question, all of those players I just listed, despite their injuries, despite the length of their recovery, all of them are expected to play by Doug's account this Sunday. So the most surprising for that is Brandon Brooks, who injured himself in the playoff game. Johnny boy injured himself in the playoff game uh, against the Saints. Uh, John Lawler getting a big ovation as he comes in. Uh, the fact that he tore his Achilles and is coming back and is going to play in this first game is really something. So they've had a lot of different, and maybe most importantly is Carson Wentz. So they've had so many Well, this injuries. goes along with the, you know, the whole philosophy that Doug brought into this year, which was to not play any of his key players in the preseason, which is a trend that's going on across the whole league. And I wonder how much of that... So, your so the, fact, the fact that the players are deemed one of the healthiest team, you know, one of the healthiest teams going into the regular season, it better be, you know, if you're going to not play your um, players during the preseason games, you better be preparing for that. So it's good to hear that. It's it good is. to hear that the team's healthy because that's that ultimately that's why you did that. So that's why you didn't start your players in the preseason game. I think a lot of the optimism is fostered in 
Carson Wentz's health, but all those players I just mentioned, all the players that I'm sure your dad was reading about this morning, all those players are part of the reason that we're feeling confident going into this year also. So the fact that, and I'm sure that was the subject of the article. So um, forward that to me, by the way. That would be great to read, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that they're in a position where things just seem to happen at the right time and a lot of their players are getting healthy. And I think the preseason is going to become kind of a buffer for teams to be able to navigate to the regular season and have their key players healthy. Um, should we move on to talk about yeah. um, the defense? Let's talk, let's talk about the defense a little bit. You know right. what? Why don't I pose this one to you? Go for it. Um, so let's talk about starting corners that are going to be playing in uh, Sunday's game. You know, yes, sir. Doug announced that Darby, Sidney Jones, and Avanti Maddox, uh, Jones and Darby on the sides, Maddox in the slot, are going to be starting for this game. Now, Jones uh, really needs to show his value. What do you, what do you got to say about Sidney? It's a prove-it year for Sydney, big time. I mean, the guy was thought to be a first-round draft pick who slipped to the second round because during his workout he tore his Achilles, and it's an unfortunate situation, and the Eagles took a, a risk because they took a player who was injured, who they knew couldn't play, and make an impact immediately. He was injured a lot of last year, and I think he's in a position where we need to see what the Eagles saw and what he showed in college from I, Sydney. Jones. I agree. It's going to be a do-or-die year for Sydney. I, I think he really needs to show a lot. Hopefully he's got it. I, I completely agree. I think we were sold on a little bit of a Troy Vincent, Bobby Taylor kind of a situation in terms of the wow. fact that we thought by virtue of this draft pick, we have at least one of our corner positions locked up and hopefully for a long time instead of the turnstile that was going on before that where we had just a rolling turnover of all kinds of different corners, none of whom were good. I mean, we had Asante Samuel for a little bit there. We did, but that's you going know? back. I mean, you figure Asante it is going left back here a little bit. In, what was that, like 09, something like that? Yeah, so, it was 09, I mean, It's been 10, a long time. Where, so I'll say Doug it's was been, asked point blank in a press conference the other day, who is, who are, sorry, the starting cornerbacks? And he said Ronald Darby and Sidney Jones. Yeah, Mr. Mitchell. All right, we something? got another question from the crowd here, Sir, Chris. Go ahead. Yeah, so I have a question. You guys are talking defense. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're talking defense. Yes, you are. So... Washington Redskins, the strength of their team is their defense. Mm -hmm. That's true. So what is your prediction on Sunday? So their weakness is their offense. Definitely. Our strength is our offense. Mm -hmm. Their weakness I, is their – our weakness is – well, I wouldn't say weakness. We have a pretty good defense. So where are you looking for the prediction? I think – I'm hearing that the Washington defense is very, very tough. I think the Washington defense might limit the Eagles' run game. I think they might be in a position where it might be more, when we were talking about the percentage of pass to run, I think they might wind up passing the ball more because their corners aren't anything, but their D-line has something to offer. Yeah. So I think I running the ball might be a little bit harder. Not only that, but who's that new all-star linebacker for Washington Redskins ah. that is tearing it up? I'm not sure. I think, um, yep. I think he was described as a rolling ball of... Barbed wire. Wow. <laughs> something That's like an incredible that. description. That sounds yeah. like a John Gruden level description yeah, yeah, right no, there. No, 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 not uh, John Gruden. <laughs> because, um, I, think it, I think it was Schwartz. Oh, wow. Who described him as that. Huh. Interesting. I, and and well, his press conference was today, and I haven't had a chance to, to watch it. But I wonder, is it, so you said it's a linebacker, not a, not a D end? Yep, linebacker. And I'm Sean Dion Hamilton? No. No? No. I'm not sure. Anyhow. 
Uh, but I, but I honestly, I see. I want to hear your prediction for the game. Well, I, you well, know, and I mean, I like prediction, that. Predictions, predictions were going to come at the end. We'll do predictions right now if you guys want. We we still have a lot to get through, and we'll still get through that. But I mean, my my prediction for this game, as far as just the defense and the offense, or just in general. No, the sc- final score, and where do you see? Where do I think you, the Eagles are going to hang like thirty-five on them. Whoa! So I really do. I think they're going to come out of the my gate screaming. Point was. The Washington Redskins defense is very strong. I totally understand that. But I, I think that they're still I, – I really expect, especially Carson, to have, like, a coming out party. I think he's on a revenge tour. He's going to put up points. 35. I see it being, like, a 35 to 18 type of game. You want to put a little something on that? Ooh. Mr. Mitz. We got a little Mr. side Mitz. action coming. Oh, my goodness. The, the, oh. line, the line, if we're talking bets, the line uh, started out at, uh, I think, seven, seven and a half, something like that. It's up to ten right now. So I, and honestly, Vegas is in the business of making money. They must know something. So my well, feeling is... I don't is, doubt the Eagles will win. Hmm. But I, I don't think they'll score 35 points. I think it's possible. I think, I think they're in a position now where they have so many weapons. I take that. And I we take might that. see it kind of spread around. But, Thanks, guys. Well, no, absolutely. No, I appreciate the question. That's a really good question and something you know, you know, we're, we're, we're walking up on. No, and I appreciate the question. We're welcome. We're open to that kind of thing. So please just approach. Uh, we have a mic open for the audience. So please just approach. You know, and this brings um, up a really good uh, point, Chris. You know, we've got one of the league's best defensive ends coming up against Lane Johnson this week in uh, Ryan Kerrigan. Yes, we do. Um, now, that's one player that's on, the, right on the D-line that really scares me. But, you know... I don't know if you can make this, this same uh, comparison. A lot of times, Fletcher stays silent in a game. Fletcher Cox, on the, on the Eagles' uh, defensive tackle, stays silent because teams double-team him. Um, is Ryan Kerrigan the type of player that we can shut down, um, neutralize, and then just go about our, our daily business? I'm going to go back a little bit. You talked about division games. I think that the players who really benefit most from division games are linemen. And I think the reason for that is because they know, <clears throat> excuse me, the types of pass right. rush that a defensive lineman would try to go to, his tendencies, the usual things that he's going to try. So I think Lane Johnson, I believe in Ryan Kerrigan were drafted the same year, so they've had a career's worth of experience. And Lane's actually quoted as saying that guy is a monster and you know he gives him trouble all the time. It's which is not something matchup. that you hear a lot from uh, linemen admitting that the other person gives him trouble, but that kind of plays into Lane's personality well, and, and how he approaches the game. You can't deny. I mean, Kerrigan's had really good games against the Eagles. He's had strip sacks. He's had interceptions. He's had all that type of stuff. So I think that right there speaks to it. I mean, clearly, he's only going against Lane for the most part. He has to have had an impact on the game uh, going against him. So that's going to be definitely a matchup to watch. I'm glad you brought that up. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more about matchups as we go. But let's keep it with the defense here. Yeah. I'm curious about what you think of, and we'll just this will be the last defensive back uh, kind of topic, but what you think of a second year Avante Maddox, a guy out of pit, a fourth-round pick, who last year really showed out, really was a great player. Sure did. Played in the corner spot, played in the safety spot, and was really able to be – Productive. I mean, had had interceptions, played tough, played against top-flight receivers, and was really able to show his talent. Doug kind of saw him. It sounds like in the nickel in the slot position. Uh, what do you think yeah. of his potential to uh, make plays this year? Well, it speaks volumes that you know, given the health of this roster, that he's in the starting lineup. Given that he wasn't at the beginning of last season, 
Avante Maddox is one of our best players on our defense, and uh, this guy just seems to show up. Last year, you can see it on film, he's all over the field making plays in multiple positions. He's very versatile. Um, you can tell when we were at that London game, he stripped uh, receiver of the ball. A huge play. You can tell, like, a, a player like uh, Maddox, he just really grasps what uh, I think Jim Schwartz, his defense is all about and what they're trying to do. He's able to um, just fit into that scheme so well where he's able to make play after play, be in the right spots. Um, I'm excited to see him. You know, you want, would you like to uh, comment I mean, on this, Chris? Part or? of it is that, like I said in our previous podcast, I might be one of very few people who watches pit football. But he's somebody who excited me when I watched them. And the fact that the Eagles drafted him, I was just excited. I thought it was a great, a great pickup and kind of an under-the-radar type of guy. I don't think anybody, pick grad or otherwise, could have, or Eagles fan or otherwise, could have foreseen the type of impact he had last year. I mean, he's somebody who stood out almost game in and game out. I really can't think of a time where I saw him playing where I didn't think, man, that guy, I'm so glad we have him. He's such a great player. So I think that's going to emerge more and more this year. I think the question is going to be with Maddox. Is he just a slot corner? Is he somebody that if one of the outside corners gets injured that he gets played on the outside? Or, and I do mean like heaven forbid, if something were to happen to the, one of the safeties, to Rodney McLeod or to Malcolm Jenkins, you know, last year Maddox played a good amount as a safety, as a free safety. So he's got that versatility. Schwartz wants that. That's what he wants in a DB. He wants somebody who can play any position wherever they need it with the skill set of whichever position. So the versatility thing I think is really big for him, and he's probably going to wind up making a big impact this year. All right. Well, let's move it on to a different position on the defense that um, I think is one of, one of the biggest holes, you know, in the offseason when we were having conversations. It just, you know, you see the players that are signed on your team. Where are our players at the linebacking position? Um, so... Do we have concerns here? You know, we're going we're gonna to walk down. We've got Bradham Fort, Zach Brown starting. Um, and Bradham you know. is starting. I was surprised about that. So he apparently had a, a ligaments tear or something like that in his toe. And uh, reporters were saying he was, like, hobbling around and limping and all this kind of stuff. And now apparently he's about to play in game one. So I'm a little surprised at that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Nate, um, Nate Gary has to play as a backup. Did you say um, Gary? Gary or Jerry. I don't know which one it is. Gary? Is that Gary or Jerry? It's I, I Jerry. Mean, but uh, I, I wonder about that. I think of the defense, uh, of the Eagles' defense concerns, I really I think that's probably the strongest. The linebackers are not really a known commodity. In years past, we still didn't really know much about the linebackers, but we knew we had Jordan Hicks, and we knew he was a good player because of what he did early in his career. Yep. He's with the Arizona Cardinals now. We don't have him as an option. We don't have a Jeremiah Trotter. And in some ways, the linebacker position has kind of changed. I think Camus, when Camus comes back, now that's not for this game, and I recognize we've kind of deviated from talking about this game, but yeah. I think he's somebody who's going to have an impact. It's just that we won't see it for a little while. Well, and, and uh, Camus has uh, been named one of the team's five captains. I saw that today. That was, a, that was an official announcement. So let's run them down just real quick uh, for the people. So the five captains are Camus, as Mike said, Carson Wentz, yep. Brandon Graham, Malcolm Jenkins and Fletcher Cox. And Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey also? I might, I might have added one who wasn't there. Did I add one who wasn't there? 
Nah. Maybe so. It's all good. All right. Well, either way, uh, that, that really speaks volumes. And I think some of that is that in the Super Bowl season, if you remember the one game, uh, the Eagles, both their punter and their kicker got hurt. So he wound up having to kick. Um, and I think just that ability to fill in anywhere where he's needed is something that's always stuck with him and it's kind of made him a leader in the locker room. Uh, yep. I wanted to ask you, Mike, to, to kind of cap yep. our defensive segment here. What do you think about the potential for uh, the D-line? Who do you think from the D-line is going to make the greatest impact in this game? I'm really excited to see Malik Jackson because I think he and, he and Fletcher are going to dominate the inside of the line this year. And teams have to be paying more attention to Fletcher Cox. At least to start the year, I think Malik is going to set a tone and really establish himself this game. I don't know. Chris, what do you think? I, I think you might be right there. I think what you said earlier about Fletcher Cox is going to come true. I think he's going to wind up getting double teamed, and that's going to free up somebody. And chances are just the closest person would be Lee Jackson. And I think he, I could see him having a game where he kind of establishes himself and establishes who he is and what he's about to Eagles fans because he's kind of he's an unknown. I mean, we got him in the offseason. He's somebody who came in with a big resume coming from Broncos, you know, Super Bowl time to Jacksonville and now to here. So I, I would love to see it. I honestly, I, maybe it's wishful thinking because I'm not sure where he's at in his recovery, but I would love to see. I think Fletcher is going to always make an impact, but with the double teams, as you said earlier, it's limiting. I think Derek Barnett needs to make an impact in this game. I'd love to see something from Derek Barnett that says he's here. He was our 14th uh, overall pick a couple of years ago. And I really expect who, a lot out of Derek Barnett this he's year. He's somebody who I need to see something from. He's one of those guys that I would say I really want to see him step up and make an impact, even if it's not in a, a stat kind of way, just applying pressure. I think that's really what we need from him. And I've seen it. I've seen him do it already in his career. So right. it's not something that I'm hoping he has in his skill set. I know it's something that's there. I and, just, just, and, and just to recap, so Jim, Jim Schwartz's defense really rides on uh, the ability of the defensive lineman to get to the quarterback, to create that pressure. Um, so, you know, out of those players that we were just, you know, looking at, you really hope, and there's a couple others on the outside, uh, Deshaun Hall and Josh Sweat, who are going to be rotating on the ends, Vinny Curry. Um, I really, I really would like to see a strong year, and I think this is, I think we do have one of the stronger D-lines in our, in our uh, league. Wouldn't be bad to see Brandon Graham have a day, too. I mean, the guy was just signed as a kind of an old player for a DN. Oh, so. he's a power rusher. And so he like, is. You know? He is. Um, the thing I think that always gets said about Brandon Graham is he, he does all this stuff that doesn't wind up showing up on the stat sheet. He's applying all this pressure. I'd kind of like to see it show up on the stat sheet. I'd like to see him, and I know he's later in his career, but I'd like to see him have that kind of impact where he comes out game one. He's healthy, unlike last year, and he's, he's making plays. Um, I think he's somebody as like a lifelong eagle that if he can set the tone, the other the other D lineman kind of will follow suit. So um, let's move on to uh, special teams. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, you wanted to talk about punt returns. Uh, I do because I think we have a very interesting situation now that Deshaun Jackson is back on our team, arguably one of the best punt returners and the holder of the best punt return in probably Eagles history in the Miracle at the Meadowlands. Yep. Two. Yep. Um, so you've got two amazing punt returners on our team, Darren Sproles and Deshaun Jackson. Darren Sproles is listed as our current punt returner, but if it were up to you, who would you pick and why would you pick them? This is a cop-out answer, uh, and I think we might have mentioned this briefly on the last podcast. Oh, thank you. Um, I just, um, 
part of me thinks that Deshaun is the more dynamic guy, but Sproles has done it so many times in his career. The only thing about Sproles is we just haven't seen it in a while. It's one of those things where he, he when he first got here, that was his reputation. He did it a couple times when he first got here. We just haven't seen it in a while. So I think Sproles would probably be the guy uh, as far as like Doug's decision making goes for the Do most you part. Think but I think Deshaun will be a situational. I was going to say. And we need him. Um, I think he's more the guy that you reach for as somebody who can hopefully really make a play when you need it as opposed to Sproles being back there almost every punt return and hopefully being able to rip one or two off. I think if they can do that this year, that'll mean a lot. And, and you know, and not to overlook the other big portion of our special teams unit, Chris, you know, I think you have a, a comment on somebody that we've seen make one of the most incredible plays uh, at a game that we've been at. I'm of the opinion that 61-yard field goal vaulted the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Um, that was just the beginning catalyst to a series of other events that allowed them to go to the Super Bowl. Because that game, very, yeah. having been there with you, was heading the wrong way. The Giants were mounting. Uh, it seemed like they were going to maybe take the lead and, and kind of dominate the game after the Eagles had dominated most of the game. Um, and Jake Elliott comes and kicks a 61-yard field goal. It's, it's been disappointing to see him miss so many short field goals and to be able to see him hit so many long ones. It's kind of like you know, answering the hard questions on the test, but not the easy ones. It just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. So I hope he can just be more consistent. I hope he can be someone that the Eagles rely on. I think, and I'm just going to say this in light of the context of this first game, I think there's one kick in this game that we really need from him. And it might, it might, be, it might be like on the first drive. It might be something where the first drive stalls and we just want to get some kind of points on the board and we need him to hit that through just to get, get things going. So I'd like to see Jake hit a 50-plus yard field goal at some point during this first game. And it'd be interesting to see it come to that point. I, I almost wonder if he can kind of, uh, if everything else, like I said, breaks down, that he can kind of be somebody to jumpstart the offense and, and put some points up on the board, and then hopefully that'll dovetail into good offensive play. Ultimately, Jake, really, this season, the, th the number one thing I'd like to see out of him is to become more accurate, more consistent on the 40-yard on the and under kicks because... He, he always Extra seems, points? I mean, not to be... Right. Yeah, no. I mean, he always seems to step to the occasion when he's got a long 50-plus yard field goal in his face. He'll make it, but then he'll miss that, like, 35-yard uh, doinker. And, and, and that, I think that's more frustrating. I mean, I, it's more forgivable to give up a, a huge field goal and for him to miss it or hook it to the left or the right, but it's one of those things where if he has an opportunity, we want to see him knock down that opportunity. Yeah. Talk about Washington a little bit? Sure. Um, so just a couple things that I think are worth talking about going into this game. The last time that Case Keenum, who was named the Redskins starting quarterback, was in Philadelphia playing a game. Uh, it was in 2017. It was on the Eagles' Super Bowl run. Uh, and they won the game 38-7. to Case Keenum had a rough day out. Uh, he was hit seven times. He was sacked once. And he threw one interception. Uh, really beyond the first drive that the Vikings had, he was playing for the Vikings at the time, they had nothing to offer, and he seemed really rattled, uh, mostly by the offensive line, and in particular, if you remember, Derek Barnett, so hopefully that kind of bears true in this game also. The other thing I wanted to mention is that the Redskins have a pretty decent running back in Darius Geis, the guy who went to LSU. He injured his ACL in the preseason last year. He's somebody who I see as a weapon for them, maybe even more so than Adrian Peterson because of his age. Um, the Eagles were interested in Darius Geis, so it'll be interesting to see the Eagles run defense against somebody who 
is considered a pretty elite running back for being kind of young and inexperienced in the league. But let's get to uh, more focused on the running back. I'm sorry, the the matchups between the Redskins and the Eagles. Uh, we talked about Lane Johnson and Ryan Absolutely. already. Um, what do you think about the potential for Deshaun? We already mentioned him as well, but do you think he's just going to kind of go off in this game against his former team and the, DB, the DBs there? I mean, I think he's going to be able to take advantage of these defensive backs. Um, I think he's going to be able to stretch the field, run by them, uh, run shorter routes, but also open the field up for Alshon, Zach, Dallas, uh, Nelson. Um, I think it's going to, you know, he's really going to, his presence is going to be felt in this game. Um, yeah, the, the DBs will wind up just being displaced by him being there, yep. basically. Well, um, let, me, let me throw this one to you. Yes, how, do, how do you feel that uh, Ertz and Goddard are going to do against, uh, say, somebody like Safety Lynn Collins? I think, in general, the tight ends are going to have a big day. I don't know how much scoring that they're going to do. I could kind of see it as a situation where they're more catching passes over the middle to convert third downs and things like that. But, like I said, I would not be surprised at all to see Dallas Goddard have more touchdowns than Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz may be collecting more of those have-to-get yards in the middle of the field and Goddard just being there for those end zone catches. But um, it's hard to say. I think Landon Collins is a great player who was kind of overpaid by the Redskins. Uh, like I said earlier when Mr. Mitchell came up, I don't think the Redskins are a very good team. So I think they're going to be in a position where um, they can kind of take advantage of that matchup. And even with Landon Collins, they'll still win at the tight end position. So um, I wanted to touch on uh, a couple things as we kind of roll along here. One in particular being something that maybe we'll bring back uh, game by game, but an idea of like a missing persons report, somebody who has been maybe injured or hasn't made an impactful play in a while now. Obviously, it's the first game of the year, but who's somebody, Mike, that you think might, uh, who might be on that missing persons report who could make an impact play in this game or who's due? I really think this is the year of Derek Barnett. Um, he's coming back healthy. He's got something to prove. The Eagles have a lot of stock in him. Uh, former first round, with first round draft pick. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Derek comes in to this season really hungry, and I think he makes his presence known uh, right away. I, I like that. I, you know, I'd written down Nigel Bradham, and I still would like to see a lot from him, but we talked earlier about Sidney Jones. Yeah. I think he's my guy. I really do. I think he has been missing either from impact or by injury. He's just not – he's not been what – he. we haven't seen what the Eagles drafted him for yet, I don't think. Do you agree with that, Mike? I would agree with I would definitely agree with that. Okay, so yeah. I, I kind of think he's somebody in this first game who could have that kind of. Well, let me impact. flip. Let me flip another question on you here. So, um, you know, for the past couple of years, we've we we we've, we've been calling uh, Doug Peterson big big balls Doug. Could he this year, Mike? As we've said in the last podcast, right? Be bigger balls, Doug. Well, you know, so my question to you is: Does bigger balls Doug show up in game one? I. I really believe this. I think it will. And I think it might be in a situation where we go, really, Doug? What are, you, what are you pushing for? You don't need to do that kind of thing. And I think he's doing it, hopefully, as a way for him to really stake his claim and set a tone that that's the approach he's going to take this year, this season. That even if it's the Redskins, even if it's the Dolphins, even if it's a team that nobody thinks anything of, I he's agree. still going to be in a position where he's saying, you know what, we're going full throttle because right away you got to you got to do that operates that way. Yep. So yep. I, I think I think I'd like to see that from him. I wonder, and I mean this from our conversation earlier. I'm not trying to to thread the needle here. I wonder if bigger balls Doug is somebody that on Sunday 
throws the challenge flag at a potential defensive pass interference or a potential offensive interference. It's very possible. And I wonder if that's how we see it in this game because it's a team that we expect fully, and we'll talk about this later in predictions. Well, and I, can, I could also see Doug going for it on like fourth and five, you know, in the third quarter with like a couple minutes left. Maybe, maybe we're down a field goal or something. Um, and he just wants to push the envelope a little bit. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support him. Do it. Yeah, I think, I think we're all for it. And I think it's something that really has separated him from everybody else. Um, I think we should move on to some picks. And uh, you and I are each going to make some picks. And then we're going to solicit uh, some folks out from the audience to yeah. make a pick or two. Um, so we'll start with the offense. So, Mike, uh, who is your potential offensive player of this game? Well, my offensive player of this game is, uh, I don't think it's going to be a big surprise here. It's going to be, uh, the, you know, the one and the only number 10. Wow. Deshaun Jackson. Wow. Well, he's, you know, he's going seven, 70, 80-yard bomb right off the bat. Before, you got to give it to before him. We, before we even get here, should we, should we rule out Carson that we kind of expect him to I think great? Carson's the obvious okay. choice that Carson's you can't Carson's the obvious pick. choice. Okay. Um, as far as offensive player of the game, I think... I think this week I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard. I think he's going to have a really good day. Um, I could see him being something. I, I, I do think that Deshaun's going to have a good day, but I could just see Dallas Goddard having one of those days where he really is able to make uh, some major plays for this team, score some touchdowns, and hopefully catch some tough passes over the middle, maybe even have a catch and run. Um, but I'd really love to get maybe an audience pick if we could. Yeah. Should we throw this one out to the audience? Hello? Maybe we could get one person up here to tell us who they think the offensive player of the game might be this Sunday. Who their offensive player of the game is. Right. Julie, you cannot say Tyrone. No, he doesn't exist. Anybody? Jason Kelsey. Yeah. So I, I could absolutely see Jason Kelsey having one of those games, especially if they can get the run game going. Aaron, good call. I could see... I can really see Jason sparks. Kelsey running downfield and just running somebody over as a way to hopefully help the run game. Hope, hopefully that's the case. If, Dude, if he's doing that kind of thing, we're going to win this game no problem. That's a whole other podcast right there. That we is. just need to talk about Jason Kelsey that and is, what he yeah. does for the organization. The speech alone is worth one podcast. That's true. We'll okay. have to do that All at some right. point. Well, you know, let's, let's move it on to the other side of the ball. You know, let's, All right. let's, let's, let's think about... player of the game, Mikey. Who you got? Going Fletcher Cox. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think he could have an impact. I do, I do have in my mind that he's coming off an injury and that maybe that's looming too large. I, I really, uh, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I think it's Derek Barnett. Uh, it's interesting like that, we both I like pick Lyman. I like that call. Um, but I, I think it may, be, it may wind up being Derek Barnett as somebody who makes a big play at an opportune time and hopefully just kind of showcases that he's ready to play, he's healthy, and that he's somebody who can do that game in and game out. Um, I wonder if uh, maybe we could get one other person from the audience here to give us a defensive player of the game. Anybody? What about Sidney Jones? Ryan, do you have somebody you think would be a good uh, a defensive player of the game for this upcoming Sunday? Like a Nigel Bradham? Is that not is Nigel? That'd be great to see. That'd be great to see. I think it's. Again, maybe some wishful thinking. We've done a lot of that today, but uh, I think it'd be great to see. I'll take that. I'll take yeah. that. All righty. Well, we have a few more things to hit on. Yeah, it's been fun today. 
Uh, we have a few more things to hit on, and then we will uh, we will kind of close it out. But um, couple couple questions that we wanted to ask, uh, and we'll ask the audience uh, a few of these, and maybe Mike and I will weigh in. But we really want to know from you uh, just a couple things that we've been wondering. So uh, we got our buddy Lon Joller right here, Lonald Joller. Good evening, good evening, John Lawler. Otherwise. Um, so, John, I was curious, just based on, because uh, I think players take pride in their jersey. They take pride in the number that they wear. So, what Eagles jersey number is the strongest match for the player's personality or their position? <laughs> Give me your number one. And, and don't overthink it. Probably the first one that comes to your mind is the one. I want to say Alshon. I agree with that. It's a Al tough Sean, question. I agree with that. As, as receiver with that number. Part of that is probably the tradition of like Harold Carmichael wearing the same number, yeah. another big kind of receiver. But I, I would, could. I would agree. That's the one that came large, to my mind large too. Large receiver with with a with a number in the 80s. That's what you need at the end of the day. All right. Who, whose is the weakest? Weakest. It's got to be like. The weakest has got to be. I, honestly, I don't know. It's got to be like. Whoever wears, is Jake Elliott number one? He's number four. Oh, he's number four? That's pretty, well, he doesn't That's wear like any number one. Kicker, yeah. I feel like. See, I was going to say Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz's number is, like, honestly perfect for him. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's like, like an ideal That's fit. the best number. Like, it's just, you can't talk trash on It's God. like a mirror. Ginger Jesus does never wrong. <laughs> All right, Mike, do you have a weakest, a weakest jersey I, match? I don't, but I'll, I'll pose another What's question. A, what, okay, and, uh, go ahead. You know what, uh, John... You or Chris can take a, take a stab at this one. Okay, so if the Eagles were to settle on one logo uniform combination, so we're talking jersey and pants, a combination I'm of... I'm sorry, can you, uh, repeat, can you repeat, the repeat the question? If the Eagles were to Technical settle on... If the Eagles were to settle on only one logo uniform combination, so jersey and pants, to use permanently, what would you choose? So, so you got take, take you into got, account. You Just got old, quick, old midnight, things into midnight, account. The midnight black. Uh, wow. Really? Black. Right off the bat, no, no, no options no necessary. Question. Interesting. I really, Complete. I don't know off the top of my head. Kelly Green, like, I mean, that's, that's not... A, is that officially part of our part of our uniform at this point? Or it's like their old logo. It's like, like a classic retro, right? Yeah, like I don't know if they were like... If we had that for this year, but I, the, I know it's something that Jeffrey Lurie has been pushing for. But we were kind of Mike and I were kind of wondering about it, like if they were to settle on one style of jersey forever, that was just going to stick. Oh, for uh, well, for, if we're going forever, I'm going Kelly Green. I mean, really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, come on. So that's, the, that's the opposing like our opinion color. would be, what did they yeah, ever win in Kelly that's Green, our color, as opposed right? to like Midnight Green? You see what I mean? Uh, like with the Super Bowl. I see. And all. I see I so see I, I get where you're coming from because I like the Kelly well, Green stuff. I like the old school logo. It's the eagle holding the football. You know, I like that logo. But the Kelly, but the Kelly Green is so specific to the Philadelphia Eagles that you, you, if that's the you get one uniform for the rest rest of like franchise rest history, of franchise history, you got to yep. go Kelly Green. It's just so identifiable. With that the, Kelly with Green the with the white or the white with the Kelly, Kelly Green. Green yeah, white okay. white Kelly Green classic okay. uniform. I like it. Mike, Maybe even leather helmets. Do we have any thoughts there? I'm a big fan of... Uh... I'll tell you what swung me. I really, for a long time, whenever they wore like white on white, the white jersey with the white pants, I'd be like, ah, get that out of here. They win all the time when they wear that combo. I know, that's so, true. Like, for it's I, a good I'm looking combo. Like it works, now it works so well for Yeah, they win. Um, that's all they well, win. And, and it's probably the least... what you're basing it on, then, you know. Yeah. And that, that's kind of tough, because then you have to look at the history. But as far as, like, as far as the aesthetic, like what it looks like, it sounds like you would go with the old school. 
Uh, I go old school. Okay. No, no doubt. Okay. I'm with that. I'm with that. Um, what do you think about, as a potential game one stat, what's more likely? Which of these things is more likely as a game one stat, John? Okay. Will Sidney Jones have an interception? Or will Miles Sanders score a touchdown? Sidney Jones, interception. Wow. I like that. I like that call. I'm a firm believer in Sidney Jones. Honestly, Me, when, when they picked him no, up and they, they took a chance on the guy coming do you off think, the Do you Achilles? think it's a prove-it year? Say it again. Do you think it's a prove-it year? A prove it, like he has he's got to prove himself to the oh, team. Yeah. He's got to prove I, himself. 100%. To it. I think so too. I'd, I'd love to see him do it. The I corner, mean, I think that would be huge for him. And but that's been like a battle all preseason is, is is safety and corner, right? I mean, they've been I I think going back and forth. I think that to be honest with you, I think Sydney's at a point now where he was drafted on his potential. We knew he was going to be injured. Now it's at a point where it's like, okay, well, let me see what what all everybody's been talking about. You know? Here's a question. Do you remember what college he came from? He came University from? of Washington. What? Yep. Because yeah. the only reason I'll remember I that this is remember not a that. good thing is because of Markel Fultz. Because he was, he was drafted, and Markel Fultz was drafted well, was like like right around t- the same he was like right a top. Around. He was a top three or top five projected. Yeah, pick, and, and the story about yeah. him is really kind of tough in terms of like him you know, rupturing his Achilles. But I hope we see some potential from him this year. Um, are we going to wrap it up? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's, this has uh, been great. Let's, yeah, this has been awesome. Thanks again to Locust Lane for having us. Thanks for everybody for showing up. I uh, really appreciate everybody. Big crowd on hand here. Big crowd on hand. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate thank it. You appreciate guys. it. Um, so I, uh, I think it's probably time for us to get to the prediction since uh, John has a microphone. We'll start with him. John, you're our guest. What is your prediction for Sunday's game? Eagles win 24-21. Ooh, close one. Closer close than game. expected. But the Eagles come out. No, All right. Um, I'm going 30, 31-21. Beautiful. Beautiful. I like that. I I don't think I can back down from 35 since I said it to Mr. Mitchell now. But uh, I think it's going to be 35, Eagles 35, Redskins 20. I do think you're going to see that Deshaun bomb first play of the game. 100%. Count on it. Book it. Definitely agree with that. Book it. Definitely agree with that. Thanks to to everybody for showing up. We really appreciate it. Thanks for showing up. It's been super fun. We'll have this up on our feed soon. And, uh, yeah, keep following the Eagles' work for. Thanks again. Go Birds. Go Birds. Go Birds.